man. Man, don't you love coming to church? How about the rest of y'all? Why are you here? Come on, don't you love? I hope today, though, by the time you leave, that if you don't like church, that you like church after this. We do everything we can to make sure that it, we break down any boundaries that would keep you from stepping into everything God has for you. We, we work hard all week making sure the coffee's right and the seats are lined up and the music is right. And, and uh, so we want you to know that's not about putting on a show. That's about hopefully we can introduce you to the one who loves you more than anybody ever loved you before, Jesus. Well, a uh, couple of, of things that are going on, I want to remind you, intro is happening uh, at our 1030 service. So if you've never been through intro, it's where you get to know the calling, the culture. It's also where you can get connected and committed uh, here at the Hills. That's happening at 1030, uh, and it's new and improved. We've got a whole brand new thing we're doing. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, Oh, see, I love you, Danny. Thank you. See, we even, we try to get the, the podium lined up and all that. It's all right. We'll be okay. I'm a, I'm a, it'll be crooked by the time I'm done anyway. So uh, intro's happening. If you would like to be a part of that and you haven't registered, uh, we, it's packed today, but we'll make some room for you. We'll make some folks that can stand, stand, okay? Beginning a brand new series today, we were in a series for a long time, and our past series called The Key, and today we're jumping into a brand new series called Blueprint. Everybody say Blueprint. A very fitting message to be teaching on as we are, or as we are working uh, heavily with architects right now to get uh, the plans ready for our brand new venue. You guys know that we have a building, right? We have a building, baby. Now we're just working to get that thing all geared up and lined up and excited about worshiping in there with you. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be sharing some things with you and telling you some timelines and, and showing you some, some pictures. Everybody say pictures. Or in the Mississippi, we say pictures. Pictures. All right. Uh, I've been in ministry for over 30 years. Uh, I know you can't tell that looking at me. I'm so young looking, I know. But I have been in uh, full-time ministry for over 30 years, I started as my dad's youth pastor. Can you believe he allowed me to pastor youth when I was a youth? <clears throat> uh, and then uh, did ministry all through uh, our minister college. And so for 30 years, I've been doing ministry. Chris and I have been doing ministry together for 25 years. We've been married that long. And we've learned a lot. We've seen a lot. We've done a lot. Um, I'm, I'm performing a wedding uh, tomorrow, uh, and uh, my first Monday wedding, by the way, in 30 years. But <laughs> we're performing a wedding tomorrow, and I was talking a couple through some things. I'm like, look, just trust me, I've done this a lot. I know what I'm talking about. Everything is going to be okay. So I've seen a lot, I've experienced a lot, but we've never built a building. In 30 years, out of all the things that I've done, I've never built a building or remodeled a a massive, extensive remodeling like this. And so I am learning a whole bunch. I'm so thankful to have Wayne Duff, who has built a lot of buildings, to be right by my side, helping me not to hyperventilate in the middle of some of these meetings. Let me tell you some of the things I have learned. I have learned that you can't just put anything anywhere you want it. That was new for me. Who knew that doors had so many specifics? I mean, to me, it's a simple equation. There's a wall. Here's a sledgehammer. Let's make a door. 
But apparently the codes department disagrees with my thought process. I've learned this. I've learned that measurements matter. By placing a closet a few feet more to the left, Wayne Duff let me know that I just cost the hills (laughs) $200,000. Don't worry, we moved it back to where it was. Little did I know, it was an electrical closet. And I asked Wayne, can we just take the word electrical off of it and make it a closet? He said, if you've got an extra $200,000, that's an easy fix, Pastor John. I've also learned that when you take a support wall out of the middle of two theaters to make room for a, a larger uh, assembly, you've got to put something in the place of it. And that thing that you put in the place of it has a lot of zeros attached to it as well. I've also learned words that I never knew before, like egress. Oh. egress is a fancy way of saying how to go out of a place. That's what it is. But architects have this way of just making things. Another word I learned is fenestration. How hmm, I many know what that means? No, it's not a bodily function. It's not at all. It has to do with windows and the placement of them. How about spatiality? You ever heard that word? Spatiality. I learned that that's about dealing with space. Well, couldn't we just say that it's about having more space than, than you need in this certain place? I've also learned that there are phases to design. I just thought design was you draw it on a paper, you submit it, and we start building it. There's not. There's the schematic design phase. Then you move into the design development phase. Then the I am completely confused phase. (laughs) Then the construction phase. And by then, we're in the I am utterly exhausted phase. That's the phases that I've learned. But here's what I do know this. They've told me that there is an ending to this. And the ending of the architectural design process is this. After months of hard work and after many, many meetings. And that's not easy for me with my ADDDDDD, okay? <clears throat> and my wife is the same way. She just, as a matter of fact, in the meeting the other day, she said, okay, I know we need to do all this stuff. Can I talk about something fun for just a minute? That wall color is just gorgeous. <laughs> But here's what I found. I found out that at the end of this process, they're going to present us with a model. They're going to hand us this this model, and then we're going to look at that model, and we're going to say, wow, this is wonderful. This all process has been worth us getting to this, where we can now see the model of what it looks like. And then I have some pastor friends that have informed me that as soon as you look at that model, you're going to say, wow, how do we build that? How do I take what I see here and turn what I have into that? Because I'm looking at what it's going to look like, but now I'm looking at what it looks like, and I'm wondering how this is ever going to happen. And by the way, I'm not talking about our building anymore. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. I'm talking to you. Isn't this our life? That we spend our life looking at models and then looking back at me. And how in the world is this ever going to get to there? Is that just me and Gwen today or is anybody else? Is that who we are? Looking at the model and then looking at me. Looking at others and then looking at me. And I, I jump on social media. I preach about social media so much and 
And I know sometimes you get tired of it, but it is a part of who we are now. It is a part of what we are. Matter of fact, one of, one of the gentlemen that I follow, I love this guy. His name is Seth Godin, wrote a, wrote a, uh, a blog yesterday that literally said, it used to be about us looking at TV and finding stars, and now we're trying to make ourselves the stars. There's this focus that we have, and there's this thing that we do where we look at the model, and then we look back at us. And Paul said, when you do that, when you look at others and then you look at you, he said, it is a bad thing when you start comparing yourself among yourself. As one person said, you compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. And everything looks great and everything looks beautiful. Even if they're not on social media, we're always trying to put this best foot forward. We're trying to do the best we can. And from the outside looking in, you can say, that's the model. If I just had that marriage, if I just had that house, if I just had that relationship, if I had that job, if I went to that church, if I lived in that city, if I wore those shoes, then everything would be good. But I look at them and I look back at me and the model doesn't fit. I look at the future me. Man, one day, that's my model. And then I look back at the now me. I look at the me that others see me as. And then I look at the me that I know that I am. I look at what other people have said that I'm going to become. Right? Right? Anybody ever had that pressure put on you? Oh, you're awesome. You're going to be the best. We talk a lot about the people that hear you're bad, you're worthless, you're never going to make it. But I find that sometimes there's more pressure on people that have been told all their life, you're going to be great, you're going to awesome, boom, boom. And then you begin to compare that to who you are now. And the models don't fit. Who the others say I am, who the others say that I am supposed to be. And yet I look at who I am and what I'm doing and somehow... That model looks like what I'm seeing now in the architectural office when they unveil to us their next big thing. And we're like, oh, my goodness. And then I drive by that theater and I go, oh, Lord, we got a lot to do. (laughs) And it feels a lot like my life. See, the purpose of the model, the purpose of the model is to help us see what it can be. The purpose of the model is to help us catch the vision. To help us rise up. But many times, the model just really brings us down. Because I see it, but I wonder how in the world is this ever going to be that? Well, that's why along with the model, they're going to give us what architects call a blueprint. The model is, ha. Ah, this is gorgeous. This is, this is awesome. This is going to be amazing. The blueprint is Here's how you take this and get this to that. So that's why we're going to spend several weeks talking about the blueprint. Because God doesn't want you and I just looking at who we are and comparing it to what we're supposed to be and give us no way to get from here to there. I'm really thankful for a blueprint today, a good set of plans. Give me some plans. I need a detailed guide. I need you to tell me where the door can go, okay? 
Instead of me just trying to figure it out. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be diving into it. And we're going to be talking about blueprint. And we're going to be discovering God's design. Not just for us, but for our lives and for our marriages and for our ministry. I hope by the end of this this series that every single person in this room feels like that God has more for you. And you can do more for God. Because now you have an idea of what the design is. When you talk about design... There's two words that always brought up, form and function. Everybody say form and function. And what you find and what I found even in this process is the the form people and the function people, a lot of times they're kind of fighting with each other. They're like going at each other, okay? I mean, like I said, I know you want a big door there, but that will not function right. It's going to look good, but it won't function the way we need it to. So you have the art, you have the, the, the artists that are like, man, we gotta work on the form. We want the beauty and we want this doing that and moving and inviting and moving and, uh, and all the, yeah. You know, that's how us artists talk, right? And then you got the engineers going, but how will it function? And so what does God want? What does God want? Is God a form guy or a function guy? And here's what I've found. God is both. If if you're from the South, you can say that with an F. Say both. We talk about Greek Hebrew. That's that's the Southern definition of both. Both. Look at this. Jeremiah 1 and 5. And some of you right now are like, God, I never thought he was going to read the scripture. Okay, we're going to get to it right now. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Look at this. I knew you before I... In your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God is not about form or function. God is about form and function. As a matter of fact, if you're taking notes, write this down. God forms us for our function. God mixes us up because he knows what we're called to be. I used to use the illustration of Michael Phelps. You remember Michael Phelps? I used to talk about him and how Michael Phelps looks like he was mixed up to be a swimmer. Big old honking long feet that look like flippers, you know, like torso, just things just out. When you, like, I imagine middle school was terrible for him, all right? Just body up. But man, when you get that guy in the pool, it's just, it's amazing. Think about this. When God, the Bible says that God created man from the dust of the earth. And then he said to man, I'm giving you dominion over the earth. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, God mixes us up from the dust of our destiny. So if you're wanting to know, you're wanting to know what your destiny is, look at what your design is. How did God design me? Now, you're not going to hear many preachers say this. If you want to know where you're going, look within you. But there's a lot to it. And we find all the time, one of the hardest things you can do is try to pastor people that are trying to do something they weren't designed to do. It's hard. That's hard. That's hard conversations, okay? You cannot sing, all right? You just can't sing. I know you want to, but you're terrible, all right? Look, I know you want to be on our host team, but you're mean looking. You don't smile, okay? It's just, you scare children, all right? So, 
How many of you ever had to have those conversations? You've had, yeah, it's like trying to do what you want to do, but it's not what you're designed to do. I love how God mixes us up, how God fixes us, how God orchestrates our lives is he creates us and he puts within us what we're needed to do what we're called to do. God forms us for our function. God does not design you. I want want to make this, I want to make this caveat. I want you to understand this. God doesn't design you to do something. God designs you to be something. Some of you need to hear that because you are a doer and you think the more you do, the more you're going to see flourish in your life. It's not about doing. It's about being. We're not called human doings. We're called human beings. So how do I fulfill what God has for me in my life? Be who God created me to be. Your destiny is in your design. What is my calling? Look at how you were created. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be? Look at how God created you. And then you're going to find there's a whole bunch of things that God already put in you that's going to give you a good hint to what you're supposed to do in your life. That doesn't mean you won't have weaknesses. That doesn't mean there's going to be some things that you're going to say, man, I don't think I'm... It's like Moses. Moses didn't think he could lead because he had a speech impediment. And the first thing God told him to do is go say something. And it scared him to death. God didn't need someone that could say something. He needed a leader. That's what he was looking for. And Moses already shown those attributes in his life. So it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the best at it. It just start looking at, and we're going to help you over the next several weeks. We're going to be giving you some tools that are going to help you find your design. How many would like that? Over the next several weeks, we're going to be making some different things available to you that are going to help you figure out who you are and what God's called you to be. Matter of fact, at intro today, one of the things that we've added to our intro process is we're helping people figure out their personalities, helping people figure out their spiritual gifts, all that stuff is going on today at Hills Intro. So if you don't want to wait on it, man, let's do it today, all right? I want to go back to Jeremiah. Everybody still doing good? Yeah. Don't tell the other services, but I love preaching at nine, okay? <laughs> I love preaching at the others, but there's something special. But y'all are fresh and fired up. Even on a gloomy day, you, I love it. You're engaged today. I want to go back to Jeremiah. I want to throw I want to read it one more time. Jeremiah 1 and 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. A couple of things. Number one, if you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, you need to be taking notes on this part right here. Number one, you are known. I want you to hear that. You are known. And when you're done taking notes, I want you to look back up at me. Because I want you to, I want to look you in the eye today. Because I want you to, I want to make sure you're hearing what I'm saying. God knows you. Wait a minute, let's just say it again. God knows you. Does that, you talk about grace. <laughs> I mean, yes, thank God for his blood and his death and burial and resurrection and the sacrifice. But the fact that he knows me. With everything that God has going on, the billions of souls that are out there and the stars and the galaxies and the angels and the demons and on and on and on, all the stuff that is going on. And he knows me. 
Just hit yourself right here. Just say, he knows me. Some of you aren't doing it. Come on, do it right now. He knows me. Listen, look, God didn't get to know you. You notice the difference? You have a good friend. You have family members that they know you, right? They had to get to know you. There was trust involved and there was mistakes involved. There was arguments involved and figuring things out and discussions. That's not God. God doesn't get to know you. He already knows you. Matter of fact, he knew you before you were even formed in your mama's belly. He knew you before you were born. That means before you did anything. Before you did anything good or anything bad, God knew you. So you're known. Secondly, you were formed. He said, before I knew you, I formed you. Before, I knew you before I formed you. You were formed. God formed you. I know you may think you're here because a man and a woman got together. God formed you. It was God's plan for you to be here. And I love that word form. You notice that creation, when you read through the whole, the whole list of creation, it's all about, and God said, and God spoke, and God said, and God, but when it came time for God to make man, he knelt down, put his hands in the dirt, and formed man with his own hands. You were handmade. Look at your neighbor and say, Look at your, just look them in the eye. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. That's going to be awkward because you probably should have done that during the hospitality time. <laughs> look at your neighbor and say this. Say, God got his hands dirty making you. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> don't you love that? Come on now. One of the things I love about my dad, that's my dad right over there, that good-looking silver-haired man right over there. One of the things I talk about, all, my, we always talk about my dad. My dad always has clean fingernails. Always has clean fingernails. Because he had a teacher in school that would check their fingernails when they came into grade school. My dad's one of the hardest working man I know. And he could have had grease all over, but I'm telling you, his fingernails were always clean. And one of my great memories of my dad is he'll be standing over in the corner. If you see him, he'll be doing this all the time. He'll be doing this right here. Always cleaning them fingernails. Sometimes he'll take his knife out and just sit. I'm like, oh, Dad, don't do that. Let me tell him a little secret, okay? My dad keeps a little bit of lint always in his pocket, and that's how he cleans his fingernails. He rolls that lint down with his fingernails like that. Uh, That's a good idea right there, ain't it? That was my image, Dad, as I was studying for this this week. When God created you, and he stood up, and he looked at what he made, and he just cleaned his fingernails. And he said, man, I did good with that one right there. I did good with that one. Dirty, yes. Messed up, yes. But man, there's hope in that one. God mixed you up because he believes in you and what you're called to be. Are you hearing me today? You were formed. Look at this. I love what the psalmist wrote and probably sang about the care that God took when he made us. Look at this, Psalms 139. I thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. 
how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. Look at this. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. Did you hear that? You and I struggle through a day. I know we do it thinking, man, God must be so mad at me right now. He must be so disappointed in me. Why did I do that? I, man, he just got to be just ticked off at me right now. And yet the psalmist said, you have so many beautiful thoughts for me. The, the sands of the sea, the sands of the seashore, you can't even count them. That's how they are. Does anybody need to hear that today? You were specifically and beautifully and wonderfully formed by God. And then he tells the prophet, he says, you were known, you're known, you were formed. And then he says this, you were set apart. Set apart. That, those words set apart in the original text means consecrated. Have you ever heard that word consecrated? Now, if you came from my background, it was consecration. And that was a scary word because you were never going to get there, okay? Because it was always about trying to get to this place. No, this scripture says, as soon, before you were born, before you were formed, I had already set you apart. I had already consecrated you. That word consecrated means placed aside for God's purposes. I'm looking at every single individual in this room. If God formed you, that means he has already set you apart for something he has for you to do. If you are here, God has set you apart for his purposes. Now, that doesn't mean you're doing them. That doesn't mean you're doing them. And that's why life is rough for you. And even if life is good right now, it's going to get rough later on. If you're not doing and being what God created you to be. That's why we preach like we preach. That's why we want to encourage you to be everything God wants you to be. But also to equip you and to steward you. And sometimes a little, don't do that. Get back in line. That's not about getting back in line because you're bad and you're never going to make it. It's get back in line so you can fulfill everything that God has for you to fulfill. And live an abundant life. Thank you so much for that. Consecrated, set apart. Look, that's not just special people. And I think that's easy for us to do is we can look at somebody and go, well, well, of course they're set apart. How many have ever done that? How many did that this week? (laughs) You look at someone, you you may see me on stage or some of our leaders or or some of our, our silver hairs or whatever it is and look at them and go, well, of course. I mean, they're set apart. You look at great writers and, the, oh, of course, man. They, I mean, they're living a great, they're set apart. No, you are set apart. You. God made you for him and for his purposes. There is a specific thing that God wants you to do, has created you to be. You have already been set apart for that. And then lastly, he says, you are appointed. So, You're known, you're formed, you're set apart, and you are appointed. Look at me. You have an appointment. Some of you are like, oh, God, am I already late for it? What am I doing? (laughs) 
Maybe. <laughs> you have an appointment. Now, that word appoint is not, oh, I got to be there at a certain time for a certain meaning. That word appointment means appointed to a position. A position of authority. You have already been appointed identity and authority over territory. Now look at this, Romans 5 and 5. And you should read all Romans 5 when you get home. Just read the four chapters, four verses before that. But I want to pick up right here, Romans 5 and 5. And this hope, everybody say hope. Everybody say hope. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. If you are placing your hope in Jesus Christ, in the gospel, in his word, in his spirit, your hope is on heaven and your hope is that you're going to become everything that God created you to be. You cannot be disappointed from that appointed position. That's what disappointment means. How many of you have been disappointed by someone? Raise your hand. You know what, what happened? You had appointed them to a position that they weren't supposed to be in. You took them and you said, I can trust you. And then they disappointed you. Well, if God has called you to something, you can never be disappointed from that position. Ever. Now, you can check out. You can go do your own thing. But as long as you're putting your hope in him, you will never be disappointed. Was that a word for anybody besides me today? I needed that early this morning as I'm going back over my notes going, Woo, preach to me, Pastor John. Preach to me. Now, so Jeremiah, and I, I can hear some of you. Well, man, that's awesome. But Jeremiah's got God talking to him, Okay. Like God is saying to him, I've called you, I've set you apart, I've formed you, I've got this great thing for, for you to do. Well, I want you to see if Jeremiah is a lot like us. Look at, after all of this, look at Jeremiah's reply. Oh, sovereign Lord, he said, I said, I can't speak for you, I'm too young. After, I mean, he just got an entire sermon from God. And what is his reply? You, you don't really know me. I, I can't. Do it. What is Jeremiah doing? God showed him the model, and Jeremiah looked at him. And I'm looking at some of you right now that even after me saying all of this today, you're like, oh, that's good. Okay, okay. But you're already comparing. Okay, I see it. What you think I can be, but you don't know me. I am too young. I am too old. I am too poor. I am too sinful. I am too black. I am too white. I am too little. I don't have enough. I, you don't know me. And what, is, what does God say to Jeremiah? The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. okay. That's not helping me. (laughs) And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. God has designed you to fulfill your destiny, and on top of that, he's going with you. 
He knows you. He formed you. He set you aside and appointed you. And he doesn't just say, all right, take luck with it. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Have fun. No, he says, wherever you go, I'm going with you. Know this. One of some of Jesus' last words to us was, just know this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You go to the ends of the earth, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm always going to be beside you. Listen, God doesn't just put his design in you. He says, I'm going to tag along with you to protect you and to direct you. And then lastly, verse 9, and then the Lord reached out and he touched my mouth and he said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. God always touches what he intends to use. So you can be designed. You can figure out your design. You can have an understanding of what your destiny is. But if he hasn't touched you, that's the struggle. That's when it's tough. That's, even if you know your personality, and even if you know your gifts, and even if you know all this stuff about yourself, but you've never been touched by God, that's the missing element. Let him touch you today. What is it that you know? Some of you right now, you know what God has called you to do. There's no doubt in your mind. You know it. Why don't you begin to say to him, God, I'll offer that up to you today. I want you to touch that part of my life. And you know what happens when God touches us? That's when power happens. That's when healing happens. That's when life happens. That's when the blind start seeing and the lame start walking. Some of you have never been touched by God. And I, and I know right now you're going, what does that look like? Oh, trust me, you will know. I'm encouraging you. I talked about the Holy Spirit last week. I want to encourage you. To ask God for something to happen to you that you can't explain but you can't deny. Pray that prayer. That's not in the Bible. That's my own thing. That's why I say that. But it is biblical. Where there's something that happens that you can't, you're like, I don't know what it was, (laughs) but it was. He touched me. When they tried to get the blind man that Jesus healed, remember that we talked about that several weeks ago? They tried to get him to explain it. Who did it and how did he do it and why did he do it and it's the Sabbath and blah, 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 all that. And, and the guy just goes, look, here, bro, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I see. I can't explain it, but I can't deny it. Come on, let him touch you today. Let him touch you today. His sweet, beautiful hand, hand of power and grace and glory and strength. Let him touch you today. Let me pray for you. Close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word and for your presence, God. You're so good. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. Lord, I thank you that you care about us, that you're concerned about us, that you want to be with us. Lord, I'm praying for those right now that this week are battled with depression, that battle with anxiety and stress. and Some, Lord, even have thoughts of taking their life or walking out and making a rash decision. We just silence those voices right now in Jesus' name.
It is the enemy's job to distort and to disguise who we are and who you are, God. And so now I'm just praying that you will give us complete freedom from that. In Jesus' name. Come on, you got to reach out. You got to reach out. You got to want it today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So many of you that have, have gone so many paths and you've, you've tried to figure it out. You feel like you've wasted so much time. There's a great scripture that says God will restore the years that the devourer has taken. I'm believing for that miracle to happen today. I'm believing for that in my own life. Restore the years. Thank you, Jesus. How many of you needed this word today? Would you just raise your hand? So I don't know if that was for anybody else, but it's for me, man. <laughs> yeah, all right, put your hand down. If you want the Lord to touch you, would you just ask Him to? Just say, Lord, just touch me, Jesus. Come by your Holy Spirit and touch me. Yes. I dedicate my design to you, Lord. I dedicate it. You, you made me. I dedicate it. I give it back to you. It's yours anyway. I'm yours anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I want you to open your eyes. I, want to, I just feel like led to say this real quick. Now, I was raised in a preacher's home. I cut my teeth on a Pentecostal pew in Mississippi. I mean, that's just that's the way it was. It's just how it was. I went in to preach my first message when I was 12. I went into full-time ministry when I was 17, which was way too young, but that's how we did it then. And through ministers' college and traveled all over the world and done from writing songs to leading worship to speaking and just all this stuff. Did some TV stuff and film things and all, this, all these things. But I did not fully give in to my design until I was 40 years old. It took me until I was 40 to say, okay, I'll be a pastor, all right. And I can tell you, the greatest years of my life have been the past eight years, nine years. When I said yes to what God created me to be. And you know, the crazy thing is now that we've said yes to that, all the other stuff just flows out of that. By being a pastor, all the other things that I was seeking for and wanting and longing for just all happened out of that. I want to encourage you today. I don't care how old you are, how, how many things you've tried. Say yes to what God's called you to be. And if you don't know that, that's why God gives you a church body. Believers and gatherings and pastors that will help you figure that out. All right? All right, now close your eyes again. If you want to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ with everything you have, because that's the only, only way you're ever going to figure out the blueprint for your life. If, if you want that today, if you want to make a commitment to be a Jesus follower for the first time, or maybe, maybe you've said this thing before, but you're really ready to make a fresh start and a real commitment to him to go all in. If that's you today, just raise your hand right where you are. Right there. I see you. That's awesome. Hands being lifted all over the room. Come on up high, really high. Let us see you today. Awesome, right here, right here. Thank you, Jesus. You're getting ready to make the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. Ever made in your life. All right. Let's all stand today.
Thank you, Lord. I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for being attentive. I got to tell you, the first message in a series is always the one that scares me a little more than any of them because you're just introducing this thing and setting a foundation. So thank you for making this easy for me today. All right. I love preaching at this church. All right. Let's raise our right hands. We're going to pray a prayer together. We're going to pray a prayer. And there's people standing beside you right now that are about to pray this prayer for the first time or for the first time maybe in a long time. (laughs) Does that excite anybody but me? Oh, man. Uh, Say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for creating me to be what you want me to be. So right here, right now, I submit to that design. I give myself to you. Everything that I am, everything that I have, everything I'm supposed to be is yours. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. Touch me, Jesus. Come on, don't just say it. Shout it. Say, touch me, Jesus. I want everything you have for me. I'm excited about living an abundant life with you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those folks today.